1: You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson, Capital Management. Got the MoneyWise Guys back inside the MoneyWise Studio with me for this weekend show. I have Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. My brother Jeff is off for this weekend's MoneyWise program. But if you would like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you, MoneyWise Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you're a new listener to the MoneyWise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. And with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. If you'd like to send the MoneyWise guys an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can catch the MoneyWise podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. So, as we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, I would typically turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. But since he's off for this weekend's show, I will take over that task. So last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down just a little bit over 182 points or one half of 1% to the negative. The S&P 500 lost 42 points or nine tenths of 1% to the negative. And the NASDAQ was down the most at 274 points are down 1.87%. Now, for the year-to-date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 13.3%. The S&P 500 is up 15.2%, and the NASDAQ is up 11.9% year-to-date. So the NASDAQ definitely took it on the chin this past week. It almost seems like we're getting right back to this inflation conversation and the selling and the Higher beta, higher price earning multiple stocks, particularly in the technology realm.
2: Well, it's inflation frustration and <laughs> inflation frustration. It, yes, I like that. I like that. That, that. is uh, the word for the week. And if you look at, you know, with the 10 year Treasury, I think it finished at 1.29.
1: Correct. It it's actually down. finished
2: below 1.3, and the NASDAQ still sold off. So. Well there you have and, it. And, and that it,
1: there was definitely a lot of hand wringing. I mean, this past week, and we'll just have to get this out of the out of the way for the show so, so dad can get through it in the very first segment, because I know he's listening intently. <laughs> but this past week was the annual Humphrey Hawkins testimony that uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell gave to Congress. And I I think really a lot of the questions that were being thrown at him and he was really being peppered with is is inflation truly going to be transitory now i know our listeners to the money wise program they're probably getting sick and tired of hearing us talk about transitory inflation is it transitory is it not transitory and i've always said that that's really the sixty four thousand dollar question because we just don't know until we get past these unemployment benefits these these amplified or extended unemployment benefits to see how many rear ends we can get off the couch and back into the workforce. But I think it goes without saying that, you know, when you look at wage potential wage inflation and what it's going to take for employers to get people back into the workforce after these extended unemployment benefits run out, um, I think we could possibly have some more sustained, longer-term wage inflation, which in turn could create some longer-term inflation in particular areas. But as we've always talked about on the Money Wise program, everyone's inflation rate is different. You know, I have a daughter in college. You have a stepson in college. Our inflationary rates are a little bit different than, say, a retiree whose kids are out of school. Or someone who's listening to the show that has children in high school, middle school, elementary school. They don't have that same inflationary rate as we do. And, or if you're a big consumer of health care, that's the same thing. Um, for folks that don't have any of those health care needs or higher education needs, you know, their inflationary rate might be different. But I will say this. you know, Just this past week, my wife texted me during the middle of the day, and she's like, it cost me $60 to fill up my car. And she yep. has a small car with a small gas tank. She's like, I've never paid $60 to fill up this car.
2: Well, and and Kyle, you know what my you, response you, was? You can thank President Biden for that one. <laughs> well, we talked about the quiet or the silent tax, and, and you're paying tax at the pump every time you go fill up. But And you talked about inflation being different for different people, and you look at the different industries that are impacted you know, and I can't help because I've. We both have multiple friends that own restaurants. In wage inflation, getting cooks to come back to work, having to pay them salaries, having to pay them benefits, you're not going to all of a sudden pay them a salary and give them benefits and take it away. So, to your point about having maybe part of this be a little bit more permanent from a wage standpoint, it's going to. It's also going to impact different industries completely Definitely. differently. That, yep. that, yeah. That that that's absolutely right. And.
1: Again, I would say this past week and some of the selling is I think some investors, some professional money managers are really starting to lose some confidence in the Federal Reserve's assessment that inflation is transitory. Because a couple of months ago, the Federal Reserve position transitory inflation is just a couple of months. But over this past week during the Humphrey Hawkins testimony – all of a sudden, it's turned into possibly six to nine months, and so there's really starting to be some question marks over investors' minds of are, you're not maybe – I know it's data-dependent, but they're maybe thinking, are you not really leveling with us? I think there's maybe a little bit of a, a level of distrust. Now, of course, Dad would say, who would ever trust the <laughs> Federal Reserve ever, which I'm sure he's laughing hearing me say this, but, that, but, but but, that's that's right. But I think this past week there's maybe becoming a little bit more of an uneasy feeling when they keep kicking this inflation can down the road to try to explain away their quantitative easing and their very dovish monetary policy and some investors believing that it's going to have to change sooner rather than later and turn more hawkish. And we know what a hawkish monetary policy looked like in the fourth quarter of 2018. Now I'm not saying we're we're on the verge of a twenty percent corrective move or a pullback. That's not what I'm saying at all. But and I would say that also there was a lot of attention paid by to Jeffrey Gerlock, who is now been the anointed bond king who took over for Bill Gross when he retired several years ago of Double Line Capital, where Jeffrey Gerlach runs the bond portfolio over there, and some of the things that he said, and maybe a little bit of his distrust on what the Federal Reserve and the testimony Jerome Powell gave this past week to Congress, and I think that maybe could have also rattled the market's a little bit as well. But with all this said, we have still seen the longest period, one of the longest periods of time where we have not seen a 5% corrective move in the S&P 500. So we were overdue for a little bit more of profit taking. Well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your MoneyWise guys will be back after this. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And you can catch the MoneyWise podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's MoneyWise program, right before we went to the commercial break, Just kind of recapping this past week, obviously having a down week across the board between the Dow, S&P 500, and the NASDAQ. Of course, NASDAQ taking it most on the chin this past week, being down almost 2%. But this past week was also the annual testimony of Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, to Congress, the annual Humphrey Hawkins testimony. And, And again, as I was saying in the last segment, him really being peppered with a lot of questions and really big question marks on if the inflation that we've been feeling that the Fed has been saying for the past few months is just transitory, and now that they're kicking the can further down the road, saying it could be six to nine months where we're going to be seeing higher inflation. And that obviously is rallying up a little bit of market, uh, is, is rallying up the broader markets because in order for the Federal Reserve to combat longer term monetary inflation because price controls is one of their two big mandates, full employment and price controls. In order to have price controls, they have to make adjustments to their monetary policy. Well, right now, the entire Federal Reserve has giant dove wings, which means it's easy monetary policy. And in order for them to turn more hawkish, they've got to tighten those purse strings. And the stock market does not typically like a hawkish monetary policy
2: well and you get into something a little bit deeper too kyle with politics and how that isn't how involved that is with more monetary policy and who do you think wants to have easier money down the road i'm not gonna but i did friday i did notice that powell did let everybody know hey we still have plenty of tools in the toolbox to address inflation which is good to know. And then what, the what, are, those now, what uh, are those tools? What are those tools? I mean, we've got overnight rates at, at
1: zero. Yeah, You've got $120 billion and bond buying 40 billion of that in mortgage backed securities in a housing market that is beyond on fire. And, and primarily that's due to lack of supply. So obviously it's a seller's market to say the least, as far as being able to get the most for their home. And hopefully that will change. We have seen lumber come down dramatically in costs, but it's still up year over year. Um, And so I would just love to know what those tools are.
2: Well, he, he mentioned it and didn't elaborate. And then you had Yellen also. Oh, here we go. Your 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 friend Jim Yellen, who did used to have Powell's job. I'm riveted every time she talks. I'm on the edge of my seat. You love her, you know it. And she basically said that Powell is doing a good job. So
1: well, no, well no no no, and 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 I and I I want to just make this clear. I have been very pleased when President Trump put Jerome Powell as the head of the Federal Reserve because unlike past heads that are nothing, that are that are simply academics, Jerome Powell has real-world experience. So he is definitely the best man, in my opinion, for the job. He's the best person for the job because he's not an academic. He understands how to apply these principles in real-world banking. So yes, and I hope he gets re-upped. That would be one of the the only smart thing that Joe Biden has done Uh-oh. since he's been president is to re up him when his term ends and keep him as the head of the Federal Reserve. But this past week we saw selling in it, and before we went to the last commercial break, you know we've gone a very long span where the S and P five hundred has not seen a at least a five percent corrective move. And I and I'll tell you, last week spending time with Dad down in Corpus. You know, we were going over the advanced decline line. And when you look at the market from a technical advanced decline line standpoint, we were going into this week neutral. We were not overbought. We were not oversold. We were just right in the middle of the lane. And so, you know, obviously, if we were extremely overbought, then yes, this the selling we saw this week could precipitate into the following weeks to where we could get that 5% corrective move. But we're going to see when we go in Monday how long the memories are from what happened this past week from the testimony from Jerome Powell from the comments that were very much focused on from Jeffrey Gerlock of Double Line Capital being the kind of quote-unquote anointed bond guru or bond king uh, who took over for Bill Gross so we'll, we'll have to wait and see but I, I can tell you for us what we did in our portfolios this past week is that we had been building positions in six new stocks in our individual stock and bond portfolios that are, were chosen primarily because they're in industry groups that perform well in a higher inflation and a higher interest rate environment. And so we wanted to finish out those positions and get those positions fully in. Something else we did on Friday is we had a couple of tech names in our portfolio that have just been on a mad tear to the upside. And so we did a little bit of profit taking in those positions because, as we say here at the Davidson Capital Management Office, you never go broke taking a profit.
2: And and I like to say sometimes you got to ring that cash register. You, know, you do and cash out and, and well, well we're, we're not, and we're not fully cashed out. We, we right. We're just taking just the profit. Yes.
1: We, yeah. We basically rebalanced two stock positions that had a, a substantial runs uh, just here recently. And we wanted to cash in on some of those profits, but we still are owning these stocks for the long term, and we will continue to do so until they fundamentally break down or change, which I don't see that happening anytime soon.
2: I, I think Kyle, you bring a good point about when you're creating a portfolio and we had a show, a month or so ago, where, where Jeff and I went over when you're building a portfolio, you know your top nine or ten uh, different inflation hedge strategies, and you talked about something that's pretty important. You talked about particular stocks that have a dividend and that actually can help during inflation. And I was going over that list again because I had, you know, called and a text from a client. Uh, reminding me of looking at CPI numbers and everything else. I, think I told you so, and here's where we are. I said, well, I have to remind you, two of those areas or two particular investments that uh, you need to make sure you have in your portfolio are it's the s 500 and a 60-40 allocation to stocks and bonds. The number one uh, investment that I talked about is gold. And you have to remember with gold, you're not getting dividends, you're not getting any yield. And those are a couple of ways to offset inflation is making sure you have some type of yield or dividend. So well, and, and and
1: and and I think a lot of investors just that have been in the market for a very long time always seem to think or have been taught that gold is the best hedge against inflation and you just brought up an extremely good point, Joe. Gold's not paying you a dividend. So you're only going to be getting any kind of an appreciation in your gold position if you have more buyers than sellers you know gold has very limited industrial use it's primarily of course use it's used in cell phones very small amount and then it of course for jewelry but it's kind of like bitcoin it's in order for bitcoin to go up in value you have to have more buyers than sellers there's no real other use for it at this point in time and it's kind of very similar to that of gold and so we don't view gold as a great inflationary hedge but here's the funny thing and this is what's so kind of bass backwards as far as thinking. What's the best asset class to be in to, to combat inflation, Joe? What stocks. is it? There stocks. you go. It's stocks. So the fact that
2: we – I think most of our listeners probably have some stock exposure.
1: Well, I would hope they would. Yes. But, but here's the thing, and I—I and there was an analyst that brought this up this past week, and it's like investors seem to forget. You know, they're hand wringing. I think they're, the, the market and the movements of the markets is more of the hand wringing and will they or won't they concerning the Federal Reserve and monetary policy? When are they going to turn more hawkish? When are they going to stop the quantitative easing? When, where, why? They're trying to figure that all out. But if the bottom line scenario is that we're going to be having inflation that's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on, the best way to combat that in your investment portfolio is owning high-quality stocks, fundamentally strong stocks, dividend-paying stocks. And as interest rates continue to increase and you're in a 60-40 allocation, Joe, what other part of your portfolio is going to be helping? Bonds. Your bonds, exactly, because now you're getting paid a higher yield to maturity. And yield to maturity is the total performance, the total Growth or appreciation for that investment in a bond is your yield to maturity. And so if you've got both those aspects covered, then you're on the right track. And then if there's stock market volatility, what do you have? You have your base foundation, which is the bond side of your portfolio, providing that interest income and providing that I hate to use insurance policy, basically an insurance policy to help mitigate that risk that you feel from the stock side of your portfolio. But if you're an investor and you're truly concerned about monetary inflation or prolonged monetary inflation, the way to combat that is by owning high-quality, fundamentally strong stocks. And if you want to increase your income in your portfolio, then look for high-quality dividend-paying stocks.
2: So. so We'll, we'll continue in a second, but I had something I wanted to add to that.
1: So. Well, hold, write that thought down, Joe, because let's take our another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your MoneyWise guys. You can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 2162 If you'd like to send us an email, all emails can be sent to moneywise at DavidsonCap.com and you can catch the MoneyWise Podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. So, Joe, we, before we went to commercial break, if you're just tuning in to this weekend's Money Wise program, talking about inflation, best way to combat monetary inflation is with high-quality, fundamentally strong stocks. And if you want to increase your income, high-quality, fundamentally strong dividend-paying stocks, because we're still in a historically low-interest rate environment when it comes to the bond market. And, Joe, you wanted to add a point to that.
2: Sure. It, the whole point is when you're looking at your portfolio or doing a review – Especially since we're coming out of a pandemic, and I won't get into the Delta variant. Let's try to just table that till maybe next week. When Jeff are, are, you it, one, are, you one, are you one? Are you one? Are you wanting to stir me up, Jeff? That's not. That's, yeah, Kyle's face can get really red. Our listeners can't see that, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> what I'm getting at is this: if you make wholesale changes to your portfolio, and there's other ty- types of investments that are out there that were listed in this Investopedia uh, article, there are nine assets for protection against inflation. If it is transitory and you make a move to buy one of those particular investments and, it, and the inflation and inflation is short lived, guess what? You made a wholesale change in your portfolio for nothing. So stay the course. Don't make a wholesale change in your portfolio. Maybe tweak it a little bit uh, to maybe more dividend paying stocks, maybe more of a 60-40 allocation. But now is not the time to make a wholesale change to your to your goals or rather your portfolio because your goal is still – should remain the same. And well, need to be invested accordingly.
1: And I think it goes back to the point that we've always educated on this program all in, all out strategy, all in the market, all out of the market. It's a failed strategy. It's been proven throughout the entire history of the stock market. But I think to your point, to add to your point, Joe, is that any adjustments and changes you want to make to your por- portfolio, you do it over time. You stair step it, you dollar cost average. That's exactly what we did by finishing the last six stock position at our individual stock and bond portfolio where we actually built that position and actually waited many, many weeks between our buy-in periods because we wanted dollar cost to dollar-cost average those assets in. So if you are looking at your portfolio and you're wanting to make a change, and like Joe said, don't make this wholesale change where I'm selling 50% of my portfolio and I'm going to go right in with the 50% and go to the, this this inflation hedge, that's not, a, that's not a smart strategy. Do it in a piecemeal fashion. Dollar cost average out, dollar cost average in. I mean, if you participate in a 401K, how are you saving for retirement? By, by every pay period. If you're retired and you're living on your retirement nest egg, how are you taking the money out? You're stair-stepping it out. And that brings me, to, it just brought in another point. And Joe, I know this is one of your favorite lines when you talk to clients or prospective clients that talk about market volatility and the fear and the emotion that's involved, particularly if you are retired and this is your nest egg. This is all you've saved for retirement. You have to live on it. And you're fearful of a 15 to 20 to 25 percent pullback in the market. And your typical response, and I'm going to tell, you know, take it right from you, Joe, because I use this now when I talk to prospective clients or current clients, is that if there is a 15 to 20% market pullback and you have your retirement nest egg and it gets your emotions all riled up, the thing that you have to remember is you don't need every single dollar of your retirement nest egg tomorrow or the next month or the next year. It's supposed to last you throughout your entire lifetime in retirement. And so you have to keep your wits about you and not allow your emotions to drive your investment decisions in your portfolio. Because emotions have been proven to be one of the biggest detrimental effects on an investment portfolio than the stock or bond market ever has.
2: And, and you have a Kyle and I appreciate you stealing my thunder a little bit, but sorry all all, all let 's say all great minds think alike, but anyway right. there you go you 're also when you 're taking that systematic withdrawal out of your retirement nest egg, like he said, most people will do it on a quarterly basis they 're doing it on a monthly basis, you know and they're they 're not i wouldn 't say they 're averaging out of the market, but they 're actually taking a little bit out of a time, out at a time. And it's not going to have the impact that you think is if you're taking a 20 or 30 or 40% lump sum distribution out of your retirement nest egg. You're, you're taking it out over a period of time. It allows the markets to correct. I will say this, but if you are a 100% stock portfolio or a 95% stock portfolio and you're hitting the retirement button, that's where you're going to have to worry about making that money back. If you're in a 60-40 or an actively managed portfolio, maybe 70-30, stocks, 30% bonds. It's really, really, really hard to find any numbers where you're running out of money in a 10 to 15 to 20 year period by taking a, a systematic withdrawal stream out. But here's
1: something else though. If you were five to seven years out from retirement and you have massive risk tolerance to the fluctuation of volatility of the stock market, it's great that you have that risk tolerance, but your risk capacity is much, much smaller. And we run into prospective clients that are like that. And if you if you have that high risk tolerance because you don't feel like you have accumulated enough in your retirement nest egg, so you're having to really push the throttle all the way down to the floor, you might need to reevaluate that and say, well, maybe I'm going to have to work a little bit longer even though I don't want to in order to have some downside protection, some risk mitigation, because as we've preached at Davidson Capital Management from day one, what builds and maintains long-term wealth, it's not necessarily how great you do on the upside, it's how shallow you keep your hole on the downside. And so if you risk tolerance, you're comfortable with the extreme volatility or volatility in the stock market, that's great but if you're a handful of years out from retirement you don't have that risk capacity you take a 20 30 40% hit to the value of your portfolio You know, you're talking 60, 70, 80% you've got to make just to get back to where you started. And so this is, again, why we're a balanced manager at Davidson Capital Management and always have been. Now, we're tactically balanced, so we make adjustments between our maximum and minimum ranges as far as allocation to stocks based on real-time market conditions. And we actively manage between those two points of a high and a low exposure to the stock market. And that's something that you have to really think about when you look at your portfolio. And if you don't feel that you've saved enough money, I wouldn't try to make up that deficit by being super overly aggressive. If you don't have the risk capacity and risk capacity is based on the number of years you have left to work before retirement.
2: I I think Kyle, you bring up a a good point about when you're looking at risk capacity okay, and, and, and risk tolerance, but when you're putting money into a 401k, and everybody that knows me know I I have I have a thing for 401ks. I love them. I'm kind of a geek, or if if you will. But and I had a conversation with a prospect uh, actually Friday, and we were talking about all right, you're 60. Uh, by the time you're 65, make sure here's the one thing you can't control. You can't control the markets. You can't control your allocation strategy, but you can also control what you're putting into your retirement plan. Maybe you need to take a good hard look at your budget and your spending policies five years prior to retirement and figure out a, make sure you're taking advantage of that match. It's free money. If you do have a match, but B the biggest thing you have to understand is what percentage do I got to put away to get where I need to be in that period of time and, and stay the course or increase it. And Anyways, well, well, no, to...
1: that, that's a, that that brings up another good point, Joe. Because for us, you know, for our client base, financial planning. Now, we're not huge fans of the quote unquote. Financial planners that hang their shingle out and will charge thousands of dollars for a for a financial plan that they stick your information in a five or six thousand dollar computer program. It spits out a hundred and twenty page report with all these fancy charts and graphs because if you don't have the asset management and the active asset management to back up the scenarios in. That financial plan, it's it's worthless. It's it's a doorstop. It's firewood. You would need it during
2: snow, but it's firewood. That's what that, you're that's so right. You would need it. It would come in handy it. then. You're right.
1: absolutely right. And the other thing with some financial planners is that they use the financial plan as a hook to get you in the door, so they can sell you high commission investment products, which is something we are wholeheartedly against. And so be very, very clear of that. But at Davidson Capital Management, financial planning comes along with the fee that we charge to manage our our client's assets. It's part of our entire entire service package. It's nothing we charge in addition because financial planning is something that you have to do all the time with pre-retirees and especially post-retirees when we do our client review meetings. As we're looking at, you know, where their portfolio was, where it is, what's their withdrawal rates? Are they staying on course? Or is this money going to be able to last, you know, the rest of their life? And so financial planning is a constant process. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's a process that we have to do each and every time. And one thing that we do do for pre-retirees that are thinking about and prepping, and we always recommend the first, you know, the, the last six to eight months of your working career is time to really start getting that planning or even going a year or 18 months to start thinking about retirement and getting your ducks in a row when it comes to a budgeting standpoint. And that's something, it's an exercise that we do called our financial roadmap. And when we come back from the commercial break, I want to talk a little bit more about the financial roadmap and why it's an exercise that any pre-retiree, 12 months, eight months out from retirement, they really need to start looking at getting that taken care of. So let's do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. If you'd like to send us an email, all emails can be sent to moneywise at DavidsonCap.com. And you can catch the Money Wise podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, just talking about pre-retirement planning. And this is something that I was doing this past week and actually two weeks ago uh, with a new with a new client of ours. And one thing that we do... At Davidson Capital Management is financial planning. Financial planning is always part of the management fee that we charge our clients for managing their assets. It's kind of an all inclusive. We don't charge extra dollars to do financial planning. And, and, you know, we, we have kind of our own opinion on the true financial planners that have their shingle hung out as a financial planner and what that all entails. But the point I wanted to get to is our financial roadmap process. Now we have a spreadsheet and I use this with then prospective client, now one of our new clients here at Davidson Capital. We have this very comprehensive spreadsheet where you can figure out your monthly or your annual budget. And it's an interactive spreadsheet. So as you fill it out, it tallies up everything at the bottom. And I, I gave it to the prospective client, now new client, and he started going through the homework, as I call it, with his wife. And so when they got done filling it all out and we met, he's like, wow, it's so comprehensive. I realize things that we're spending money on on a monthly basis that I didn't even really think about. But, the, but your spreadsheet really helped jog our thought process to making sure that we had the most accurate uh, spending that we're doing on a monthly basis. And that's one of the first biggest steps to the financial planning because a question I get all the time is, well, how much do I need to retire? And I hate to answer a question with a question, but I answer the question with a question, how much do you spend? You know, for some retirees, a half a million dollars could last them a lifetime. For some retirees, a $10 million nest egg might not last them five years. It all just depends on your monthly spending. So going through... This budget homework, this spreadsheet that we provide is a great start to really wrap your arms around how much you're spending because we've got so many automated payments nowadays, whether it's on a credit card or a check card. You don't physically have to write out a check, stick it in an envelope, stick a stamp on it and put it in the mail. It just happens automatically, so it, it just happens like clockwork, and you don't really think about it. Well, our spreadsheet and the, the financial roadmapping process we do with clients, it does jog the memory, and it does bring to the forefront what you're spending on a monthly basis. Sometimes it can be very shocking. And what you're spending a month multiplied out over the year is really going to be a determining factor of whether or not your nest egg is large enough to really sustain you throughout your retirement within and under our investment management philosophy. Now, rule of thumb that we give to anyone listening to this program is if you take a look at your retirement nest egg and you take a 5% annual gross distribution from it, take that dollar amount, divide it by 12, see what it is, and compare it to your monthly spending. And if you're able to have excess from this 5% rule on your versus your monthly spending, then you're right in the wheelhouse of potentially being able to retire as long as you're able to stick to that budget pretty close. If you're nowhere close to that, then maybe it's time for you to examine what parts of your budget, what parts of your monthly spending you can start eliminating or whittling down or having to work longer and saving more, increasing your contributions to your retirement nest eggs.
2: What, and one thing I do see, what I do like about the spreadsheet, it's very interactive, so you can edit certain things. You can edit inputs on different types of retirement income. I was noticing that you can have – a A line for Social Security, you can add a different line for something else. Um, But, you know, I love the idea of having that roadmap and putting it together. And uh, I lost my train of thought a bit, but I will say (laughs) I did. That's okay. I I was doing it this week, actually, and this past week, and I actually got to a client and said, make sure you have this down. But I think the other thing, now I remember what I was going to say, a lot of retirees now are working part-time. They don't have to maybe continue to work Five more years. Maybe they work as a consultant. I'm seeing more people work as a consultant. You know, if you are going to do that, make sure you have a business plan for that part-time job you're going to have or if you're going to be a consultant. So that's another thing that I do see is a lot of people working part-time to fill in the gaps once they retire.
1: Well, and, and I will say this, you know, in our 32nd year of business here at Davidson Capital, we have seen how retirement has changed over the decades. You know, it used to be people retire and that was it. They're playing golf, they're fishing, they're shopping, they're traveling, whatever they're doing seven days a week. But we're now starting to see over the last, you know, probably 10 years that retirement is transitioning. We're seeing folks retire. They're retiring from their day job to go and do what they love. And that meant, I mean, we've seen people go back to law school in their 50s. We've seen people go and become a professor in their 60s, Um, sailing instructors. I mean, we see people transition to do other jobs. We've had people retire that were just tired of shift work. They didn't want to stop
2: working, but they just wanted to stop working shift work. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and it brings me back to my father, when he worked for the – he used to work for the San Antonio uh, Light for a while in the Express, and he'd work literally 60-hour weeks. I mean, he, he worked his proverbial rear off. Then he worked as a contractor. He'd travel five to six times a year, he, and he, didn't, he did not have this in his retirement plan. He made almost as much money when he retired on an annual basis working a quarter as much as he did when he was working 60 hours a week. So you never know where that's going to lead. But the point that you were making, Kyle, earlier about having a retirement plan or a financial plan, you do not know what's going to happen with that plan. So, anyways, so,
1: so so that's why you always have to maintain flexibility. This is why we hate annuities of all shapes and forms because it reduces your flexibility. This is why we recommend lump sum pension rollover distributions into your IRA if you have the ability. You have to maintain flexibility in your retirement. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. And if you find yourself six, eight months, 12 months out of when you're potentially thinking about retiring and you haven't been doing the homework, you haven't been doing the financial planning, this is the opportunity. This is the chance that you pick up the phone. You give us a call at Davidson Capital at 800 275 two one six two to get that plan started because the last thing you want to do is get caught behind the eight ball and not doing this homework before you finally ride off into the sunset well with that we're coming up to the top of the hour so for listeners of 1200 listening to money wise on 1200 WAI we'd like to thank you for listening to this weekend's money wise program if you'd like to catch the second hour you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com or catch the second hour on our podcast. For listeners of Money Wise and Corpus Christi on 1360 KKTX, stay tuned because when we come back from the top of the hour break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management.
0: All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on Money Wise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are heading into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of MoneyWise, you can go to our website
0: at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past MoneyWise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com.
1: Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, now as we utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program, going into investor education, and wanted to go into a topic that we haven't talked about in quite some time. Um, it seems that a lot of our educational segments we talk to we talk to our listeners about the accumulation and the saving side of retirement and, and getting to that. Uh, retirement red zone, but we we seldom discuss what happens once you're in retirement and and really more importantly and more focused on how do you spend in retirement and the appropriate level of spending in retirement to make sure that your retirement nest egg lasts a lifetime. And there was an article, Dad, that you found from MarketWatch in the Wall Street Journal and it really spurred us into saying to ourselves, you know what, we need to talk about this because I don't think we've covered it enough on this program. I, I think some of our listeners are currently in retirement or right on the verge of going into retirement. and th- There would be a very solid topic to go into so our listeners can start doing their own planning. And what I what I call it when I work with our clients or prospective clients, I call it financial road mapping. That's just the, the name I've given it uh, myself. As far as what we do for our current clients, for prospective clients as they're transitioning into retirement, just to give them an idea of this is your nest egg, this is what you're projected to need to take out on a monthly basis and on an annual basis, and this is what can happen to your assets as you go through retirement. But there was a survey that was done in this article, and the title of the article is The Surprising Amount Retirees Spend. And this article really kind of goes in two different directions it it kind of it it goes into the direction of retirees not really spending hardly anything of their retirement nest egg because they're terrified to spend a single dollar
3: they're concerned about outliving their
1: money they're concerned about that but then there's the other side of the coin of retirees going i don't want to use the word nuts but spending a little (laughs) bit more than they should and actually upsizing and because again looking at a sizable amount of assets let's say you retire you've accumulated a $1, $1. million 1.5 million dollars that it gives them a sense of security that hey I can go from a thousand square foot house I want to build me a new 3,500 square foot house in retirement because I have all of these assets and not realizing what kind of significant impact that can make on their nest egg and so there was a survey done uh, back in February, and they found that not only are some retirees not downsizing, but thirty percent of these retirees that they surveyed have actually upsized their lifestyle and right. have upsized I mean, that's a surprising number and have it? upsized their homes and their lifestyle. I was quite surprised seeing a 30% increase. Now, granted, this is their sample size. It's not a huge sample size. But, again, it's an interesting statistic that 30% of these retirees were upsizing um, as, they go, as they moved into retirement. And I know that if any of our listeners went to a financial planner went to a financial salesman and said, okay, here's, here's my nest egg. I want to start drawing assets off of it to live in retirement. How much should I be pulling out? And it seems that the rule of thumb in the brokerage community and the financial planning community has always been a 4% rule. To be not taking out more than 4% of the total value of your portfolio on an annual basis. Now, at Davidson Capital Management, being that we're in our 26th year of business, we have a little bit different experience because we have proof of our management philosophy and how it is performed in good markets, bad markets, higher interest rate environments, and, and of course, the horribly low interest rate environment we're currently in. And we have found that you know our clients have been able to average between a 6 and 7% withdrawal rate on an annual basis and not encroach on their principal assets that they invested with us over the lifetime of the account. And we utilize client number one that's been with us 26-plus years and what they've been able to withdraw from their account and have not only taken out more than they originally invested with us, but actually have more in their account than what they originally invested with us. So we know that our philosophy works because we have proof. We have the numbers to prove it. Um, but that 4% rule has been used by the financial service industry for many many years but now because of the extremely low interest rate environment some of some folks in the financial service industry are now changing that withdrawal rate to between 2 and 3%. I mean that's just that's insane really. That is low. Well in our opinion
0: the way we viewed this, this, the four percent rule, as as you talked about, Kyle, being used by our uh, competitors in on Wall Street, we've kind of looked at it as they're trying to keep the bar as low for themselves as possible. Uh, that way, they can charge higher fees, sell their products that have loads, uh, you know, sales charges attached to them, and and still meet their four percent maximum rate of withdrawal. Uh, target that they tell their clients that they want what they want their clients to stick to so we the by taking it down to two or three percent maximum withdrawal rate per year that's lowering the bar even more than what was what we what we thought was a pre was a low bar to begin with with a four percent rule right so if you're if you if got a client that's got a million dollars and you're telling, well, you can only withdraw two percent a year. That's twenty thousand dollars.
3: Well think about this. I mean, if you put it into government bonds, ten year bonds right now, exactly. you, you don't need any of this. You can get right at two exactly. percent. So you don't you don't need to go to Wall Street to get a two percent withdrawal rate. I mean, you can do that on your own dealing direct with the Federal Reserve. So that that's absurd that's why I said that's insane. That's
1: insane. Well, uh, they're, they're tr- I guess they're trying to cost themselves all the trailing commissions that, Dad, you and I talked about on last weekend's show. They're, they're trying to cost themselves a lot of commissions because, like you said, you can go directly to the Treasury and buy government bonds, which is a guaranteed rate of return, the only guaranteed rate of return on Wall Street, to generate that withdrawal yeah, to, rate of 2 to 1 percent. Whether
0: it's 2, 3, or 4 percent, in my opinion, this looks like a revenue enhancement to uh, Policy by
1: Wall Street. Okay, well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906 Zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two. And if you have an investment related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing our investor education, and it's an uh, and it comes from an article, The Surprising Amount Retirees Spend, and we're talking about spending in retirement and some of the rules of thumb that we utilize with our clients at Davidson Capital Management, uh, but also just some tips for pre-retirees so they can do a quick determination with very simple calculations of whether or not they're potentially ready for retirement and kind of hop on that proverbial horse and riding off into the sunset, and some things that they can do and utilize some free calculators uh, that are online for them to do some of their at-home at calculations. Now, getting back to this article, there is a financial research firm. Uh, I, I love the name of it. It's called Hearts and Wallets. <laughs> <laughs> this this research firm, they surveyed uh, a little bit over 1,200 households aged 65 and older that had assets of more than $100,000. And the research researchers found that only 12% Uh, or I shouldn't say only, they found out that 12% took out over twice the 4% rule, closer to a 9% withdrawal rate per year, but they also found that 28% withdrew less than 1%, and some of these folks surveyed didn't remove any assets at all from their retirement assets. Now, I would be assuming that these folks either have, A, taxable assets, and outside accounts, because most likely they would be asking if it's IRAs or pensions or what have you, or they have traditional defined benefit plans and getting their pension payment. They decided not to take the cash lump sum option, which is what we recommend to any retiree at Davidson Capital Management, to take that lump sum distribution from your pension so you gain control of those assets. Or their lifestyle is so modest that their Social Security payments are more than covering their daily living expenses. I mean, that's what—that's the only thing I was able to take away from this survey of over 1,200 households that were surveyed. Um, but, you know, one thing that, that was interesting that came out of this article that really spurred us to want to talk about this is this mentality of chunks or nothing, and that means retirees going into their IRA accounts, going into their retirement accounts, and taking a chunk of money out at a particular period of time, as opposed to spreading those payments out over a monthly basis. And I wanted to talk about this, because being in business 26 years, we deal with this on a weekly basis at Davidson Capital Management, where... You know, we recommend that if you're going to be living off of your assets in retirement to set up really kind of your own annuity. And I hate to even use the word annuity, but (laughs) I have to let all of our listeners know the definition of the word annuity means a periodic stream of payments. That's what annuity means. Well, you can create your own annuity through an IRA without actually having to go and buy an annuity. And you do that by setting up a particular dollar amount that you're going to be withdrawing on a monthly basis from your retirement nest egg to live off of in retirement. And this is what we would recommend at Davidson Capital Management as opposed to taking chunks out. And the reason why we recommend not taking chunks of assets out are for a couple of reasons. First off, when you say, okay, I need $15,000 out of my account. And then four or five months later I need twenty thousand dollars out of my account, and then a couple months later you take another ten thousand out. You get to the end of the year, you kind of forget the chunks of assets you took out earlier in the year. And so when you add up the total amount of withdrawals that you took, a lot of times you'll find out that you were violating again at, at our at our firm the six to seven percent withdrawal rate rule. Where you're part of this group that's taking out nine, ten, eleven percent of your investable net worth well, by well. by taking it in chunks. But the other reason why we don't recommend doing this is you save for retirement typically through dollar cost averaging. If you're participating in a four hundred one k, you're dollar cost averaging into the market. It's also wise to dollar cost average out of the market because if you time the withdrawal of a big chunk of assets. At the wrong time, it could wind up costing you at the end of the year when it comes down to your total performance return and growth of those assets. And an example that I like to use is think of your retirement nest egg like a golden goose, and that golden goose produces golden eggs, and those golden eggs are capital appreciation, dividend income, interest income. You want to keep that golden goose as large as possible, as long as possible, to create the biggest golden eggs it possibly can. But if you're going in and taking large chunks of that golden goose out, then you start, of course, leaking into the issue of the law of large numbers, meaning you want to keep your number, your retirement nest egg, as big as possible, as long as possible. So instead of taking $10,000 out, let's say you have to take $50,000 out a year. You know, why don't you take four thousand dollars out a month as opposed to taking fifteen thousand dollars out every quarter? You know, doing it that way. Uh, so, bottom line is is our recommendation is to dollar cost average assets out of your retirement nest egg as opposed to taking chunks at one time.
3: The other thing we run into is that we'll see situations where um, clients. Don't give us the heads up when they're getting ready to need a chunk withdrawal. And it really affects what a manager is doing with the money if he's not told. If you know money's coming out every month, you can also plan as a portfolio manager. Mm -hmm. When you do the chunk withdrawals...
1: It can force sales that you don't want to make.
3: And... It may not come at the right time. That's I mean, right. I mean, you are, you're affecting the mm-hmm. return in your portfolio based on that chunk. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have taken a chunk out in early March of 2000, that would have been a whole lot better than taking a chunk out in October of 2000. But it averages out.
1: That's true. But it averages out over the life of the but account. But
3: if it's a large enough chunk, you start, I mean, we know you start taking out more than 7% a year. You run the risk. You're going to be you're going to be running out of money. I mean, depending on how many years this goes on. I mean, we know this. I mean, it's not something we have to study. Twenty five years plus, seeing this, and we've had some wild and woolly markets since 1989, and there, we're going to have wild and woolly markets for the next 25 years. And so, you start doing that, and you are going to run out of money. And, and I would say, and Jeff and I have been here long enough, we have seen people run through retirement accounts in a very short period of time, run through inheritances. It happens time and time again, and we will counsel these people and explain to them what's going to happen, but it seems like once it
1: starts, they can't seem to stop it. Yeah. It's it's like hitting an artery that you you can't stop the bleeding.
3: And it isn't, I mean, it's their money. We <laughs> and, are there to work for them. But we're also there to counsel, and we will tell, you know, you are going to see this money disappear.
0: A lot of the time when we see people taking chunks out of their retirement accounts, uh, they are more times than not uh, purchases that they shouldn't be making. Um, I've had to advise many times for folks, they want to pay off their mortgage. The first thing that happens is they retire, and they have a seven-figure retirement and the very first thing they want to do is they want to get totally debt free and they want to pay off their house they want to pay off their cars they want to pay off their credit cards you know some of these things we should have been planned ahead of time to have them paid off before you reach retirement maybe not necessarily the house but by taking all these chunks now and converting them to assets that are appreciating at a lower rate or appreciating it no, you know, or depreciating, like you know, paying like off a car or like a vehicle. Uh, that that that's a real problem. We've also had to counsel folks many times that are, and I'm going to use the term "quote unquote" retiring because they're not actually retiring; they're changing careers, and they go in and raid their retirement nest eggs in order to change careers. And I've had several situations where clients would. Take out fifty or sixty percent of their money, or more, to start a new business, change careers, and the the, the problem that we have as as long term planners uh, of of retirement nest eggs is that is this new endeavor going to replace this money that you're taking out in a short period of time? If you change careers at fifty years old, you know, and you're ten. Twelve years away from retirement, and you take a million-dollar portfolio down to five hundred thousand dollars. Are you going to be able to replace that five hundred thousand dollars in ten years in this new endeavor to restore your retirement back to where it was before? That's a that's a that's a question that I that any that I've had to pose to several people who did end up taking all the money, and in many, in several cases we've had you know one that completely went through their entire retirement nest egg uh,
1: in this new business endeavor. And that's not a good thing. We wouldn't recommend funding a new business endeavor with your retirement nest egg. You should go out and, and find other forms of financing. And if you can't get it, maybe you shouldn't be going into that business venture. Well, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise, guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at one 800 275 Two one six two. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing our education of, about retirement spending, and, and really this whole conversation spurred by an article titled The Surprising Amount Retirees Spend. We've only got into a little bit of the article because We deal with this on a weekly basis at Davidson Capital Management, so we're really discussing our own personal experiences with our client base and just rules of thumb that we use as an investment advisor and also just some tips uh, for our listeners to utilize in getting prepared for retirement and to make sure that you don't outlive your assets. And one thing, Jeff, you were talking about, folks going into retirement wanting to pay off their cars, wanting to pay off their credit cards, wanting to pay off their house because they don't want to have any bills coming in. Right. And
0: I think the the key there is is that the retirement planning process shouldn't begin the year before you're going to retire. The retirement planning process should be starting many years, you know, 3 years before so that you if 3 years before you're planning on retiring, you have these credit cards and this car payment and this house payment, then the planning should start three years before. Well, we need to get the credit cards paid off because they're typically they're typically at much higher interest rates. You know the cars. Well, that's a uh, what are the rates the cars are at? That's right. You know, if if you bought them here recently, uh, the their interest rates should be pretty low and probably wouldn't be advisable to pay them off uh, with retirement assets. You know, their interest rates are really low.
1: But because one thing that retirees forget is as you pull assets out of the IRA, they're fully taxable as ordinary income. So now you're paying taxes on this withdrawal to pay off this vehicle or to buy whatever. So, it's it's uh, yeah, it's nice that you're paying it off, but you're having to pay taxes on that withdrawal. And and the thing that, that we discuss here in the office is, well, look at the interest rate. Because we, we get it. We understand Folks don't like to pay bills. No one likes to pay bills. They don't want to make that car payment on a monthly basis. They don't want to make that mortgage payment on a monthly basis. We get it. But you have to take a look at what is my interest rate? What am I paying? If I have a car note at, say, 2.5%, you want to continue to finance that. I know Jeff and I get this question all the time. Should I be paying cash for a new vehicle? Well, what's the interest rate? Well, it's 3.5%. No, don't pay cash for it, because just utilizing our our asset builder, our moderate allocation our asset builder, our goal return for that account over the lifetime of that account is 7%, so I use 7% as the rule of thumb. If the interest rate is below 7%, you finance it. If the interest rate is above 7%, okay, we could discuss paying cash for it, because it Again, you want to keep that golden goose as large as possible, as long as possible, to take advantage of compound interest and the law of large numbers. The other thing about removing money
0: from your retirement nest egg, especially if it's an IRA, to pay off bills is that the income taxes you have to pay.
1: That's right. And and, and if you don't have cash available to pay those income taxes, where do you have to rate again? To pay for those income taxes, your IRA, again, so it's an ongoing cycle. So if
0: you take, say, a $20,000 car loan at 3% and you take that $20,000 out of your retirement nest egg, you're giving up $20,000 that, under our philosophy over the long term, might earn an estimated 7% to pay off a 3% loan, so that's 4% on $20,000, you know 4% on $20,000 i believe is $800 if my member, if my math is correct uh, per year per year exactly and then on top of that let's say you're in a 15% tax bracket and you take that $20,000 out well now you're looking at uh what was that $3,000 $3, in, in, in income taxes that you're going to have to pay pulling that money out so you're giving up $800 a year in additional income, compounded, and a $3,000 tax bill in a 15% tax bracket just to pay off a $20,000 car loan at 3%. Well, imagine how that works out if you want to expand it out to paying off a house.
1: It can, you know, it can cost let's say it's a
0: lot. A couple hundred thousand dollar house and at a 4% interest rate. You know that those are, those run into some really big numbers. I mean, the taxes alone. You know, if it was two hundred thousand dollars, you might you get hit with a twenty plus percent tax bill. That's forty thousand dollars in taxes.
1: Now, now talking about vehicle purchases or talking about homes, like you were talking about earlier, Jeff. If if you have several credit cards all carrying balances at a high interest rate. You really need to get those paid off before you even contemplate going into retirement. I mean, you really need to have consumer debt from the credit card standpoint, that financial house in order before you go into retirement. As I say to prospective clients or current clients, if you have a car note at a low interest rate, that's fine going into retirement. You have a mortgage payment at a low interest rate going into retirement, that's fine. But any consumer debt, you really want to have that paid off. Before you go into retirement, because of all the reasons we were just explaining, you don't want to retire and have to pull out $75,000 to pay off credit card debt, because now, here you go again, you're having to pay tax on that distribution, to pay these credit cards off. So if you find yourself thinking about retirement and you're sitting on $20,000, $25,000 in credit card debt, you need to focus on paying off that debt first so you don't find yourself in a situation where you go and you retire and now you're having to pull out 8 9 10% a year out of your retirement nest egg to keep up with all of these bills. But how do you figure out how much do I need in retirement? Now, I will tell you this. If we all knew when the last day on Earth was going to be for each and every one of us, boy, retirement planning would be so simple. It would be so easy. But unfortunately, no one knows when their last day on Earth is going to be. So you always have to prepare. The oldest saying in the book, prepare for a rainy day. So what you need to do and what we recommend is... If you want to maintain your lifestyle, as I say to prospective clients, if you're used to eating steak three times a week, don't think that once you go into retirement you're going to be eating PB&J and rice and beans three times a week instead of steak. So we recommend to take 12 months of your spending and average them out. Add up 12 months, and if you haven't... If you don't keep good records and you're thinking about retirement, you need to start keeping a record every month of what you're spending for your cell phone, your electricity, your water, your entertainment, food, all of your expenses. You add up 12 months, divide it by 12, you get your average. And once you have that average, you multiply it by 12 again, that is your withdrawal rate per year that you need to take out in order to maintain that lifestyle. Now, if that dollar amount divided by how much you've saved is greater, that withdrawal rate is greater than, say, 7%, then you need to either A, lower your living expenses somehow, or B, you need to work longer and you need to save more. And, again, there's Financial Calculators. There's a website called financialcalculators.com. I absolutely love this website. You can utilize it for free. It has so many calculators and so many different consumer finance and retirement planning arenas, it will blow your mind. And it's a, and it's a website that I use very, very often. In fact, I used it today. So... Utilize com, but you need to sit down and do this work. Don't just go into retirement blindly and figure out what you're going to need to be spending on a monthly basis. And that's what we would recommend is taking monthly withdrawals, not chunks. You have to get out of the chunk mentality. And we understand emergencies arise where you do have to tap in more than than what you are taking out on a monthly basis. We get that, but don't make it a habit.
0: I was going to say the the key to managing retirement assets, to me, comes down to one word, flexibility. Absolutely. And flexibility means that your retirement assets are not invested in instruments that... Take that away. Yeah, that that reduce your ability to withdraw if an unforeseen event comes comes you know happens, and I'm kind of laying this at the feet of non publicly traded REITs or private placements or annuities of all different kinds,
1: or even taking a defined benefit payment from a traditional pension. That would be something else. Right. Taking a traditional roll, pension, yeah.
0: Roll instead of taking the lump sum, you roll. You just go on and say, "I'm going to take the pension, and that's it." Because once you lock yourself in to taking that pension payment, you're done. You you that's the that's it. You're only getting that amount of money for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life and your spouse's life, and then once those two exp- typically once once if you choose the right the, the particular option where you get you get a pension payment for your lifetime and your wife gets a pension payment for her lifetime there's
1: no other assets going to the uh, estate and it's not those payments are not adjusted for inflation, so every month that goes by that pension payment is buying less and they're also than not they guaranteed that's right no matter how strong the corporation is. And I know the, the refinery businesses here in the Corpus Christi area are very good at taking care of their employees. I mean, we've seen it firsthand. But there are no guarantees in life. And when you have your pension and you're taking those pension payments, and if that pension goes insolvent, very bad things can happen. And we'll talk about that when we come back from our last commercial break. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at nine zero six zero zero seven zero or toll-free at one 800 275 Two one six two, and if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at So, in our last segment of this weekend's Money Wise program, uh, before we went to break, Jeff was talking about maintaining flexibility in retirement, and I was talking about taking pension payments, and we were talking about solvency of pensions. The one thing that each and every one of our listeners needs to understand is that there is no such thing as a guaranteed pension from any corporation. I mean, corporations have gone out of business all the time. I mean, I think of WorldCom. I think of Enron. There's other corporations that have gone out of business. The airline, a lot of airline industry, or a lot of companies in the airline industry have gone out of business. The reason why we recommend taking a lump sum distribution, if it's available, in your pension or if you have if you're lucky enough to still have a defined benefit or pension plan from your employer the reason why we recommend to take that cash lump sum payout is to be able to maintain that flexibility in retirement and not rely on your former employer to be making those monthly payments to you because you have to understand those monthly pension payments are not hedged, or not adjusted for monetary inflation so what buys you uh, in 2015 is going to buy you a heck of a lot less the payment, the same payment you're getting in 2020 or in 2030. So that's the reason why you want to take that lump sum to have that flexibility and also to have access to those assets in case you do run into an emergency or want to be spending a little bit more that you can afford to spend a little bit more than what your pension payment uh, you're receiving is going to amount to. But the other reason is that if a pension goes insolvent, it gets turned over to the PBGC, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And the thing you have to understand is the PBGC has multi-billion dollars of unfunded pension liabilities, and they have a cap set on the maximum amount a pension recipient can receive on a monthly basis. And so if you were lucky enough to be receiving a very sizable, say, a four or five thousand dollar a month pension payment, well last I checked, which is it's been a it's been a while since I've checked, but if memory serves me correct, the PBGC's maximum monthly payout is less than three thousand dollars a month. So if you were receiving a four or five thousand dollar monthly pension payment and the pension gets turned over to the PBGC, yeah regardless, you just sliced you just sliced your regardless payment. of how much you 're receiving
0: a month you 're going to get less
1: yeah you 're going to get less that 's right, and something else that we 've talked about on past shows, some horror stories concerning these pension payouts and i 've read this right out of the Wall Street Journal is the actuarial firms crunching the numbers have run into situations where they find out that a pension has been overpaying pension recipients for years and years and years, and one day a pension recipient goes to the mailbox receives a letter stating, oh, we've overpaid you over the last 10 years $150,000. Sure. You need to pay that back to us immediately, or we're going to cut your pension benefit in half until we recoup that, that overpayment.
3: It's rare. It's rare. It's very rare. But it happens. Yeah, right. well, one thing that struck me was, was
1: this uh, that was on page two of the... Uh, and come, going back to the article... Uh, in the article titled, let me get back to the title, The Surprising Amount Retirees Spend, um, the Roadmap for Policymakers and Americans' View of the Retirement Crisis from the National Institute of Retirement Security found that in a survey of 801 Americans, 67% said that they'd be willing to take less in salary increases today today in exchange for guaranteed income in retirement. And again, this goes right this is laid right to the feet of this pension benefit, this the secure the secure feeling you get from receiving that monthly check from a pension or from an annuity, and unfortunately these payments are not adjusted for monetary inflation and we constantly talk about monetary inflation on the money wise program cuz not enough Folks in the financial service industry are talking about it. Monetary inflation is the silent killer to the value of your retirement nest egg. Well, what
3: what I see here, when I see people wanting to take less salary today for this guaranteed amount quote, of money quote unquote guaranteed. in the future, and the one thing you don't want to do is whatever that payment you're getting at age 65 or 66, you're not going to like it at age 78 seventy nine. I, I, I will guarantee you that. Oh, you're using the G. Yeah, yeah, that's the guarantee. <laughs> the guarantee is you're, you're not, not gonna like it. You're not gonna like that amount of money ten years down the road. The one thing I you know I'm only seventy, I'm not I'm not you know, I I I'm not retired, retired. But the one thing that Jeff said that is is the most important word is that flexibility. You cannot give up flexibility. And here's people saying, oh, if you just pay me less money today, I'm, I'm
0: willing to get, take less know, money and to, give up flexibility.
3: And give up flexibility. No.
1: No. I mean, this. this but is, that's fear talking, Dad. See, right. that's the thing. This is fear. These 67% of these 801 people surveyed, this is
0: fear. This is this the is, 67% that the annuity community focuses on.
1: That's right. These are the fearful people that we've talked about last year on a show, the Dalbar study, of overly emotional investors constantly remembering their losses and their failures and not remembering their victories. And because of the 24-hour news cycle, because of the volatility that's here to stay on Wall Street, it's never going away. And I don't think it's ever going to get any better.
3: You know what I would like to do if I was retiring, if I thought in terms of guaranteed... Create a laddered government bond portfolio knowing that interest rates are going up in the future and that guaranteed amount is going to be going up in the future.
1: And guaranteed by the federal government.
0: Instead of taking salary increases in exchange for a guaranteed income in retirement, how about they keep the same salary but contribute more to their 401Ks and build up their 401k nest eggs, and stop being so fearful about day-to-day movements in the stock markets, or what this pundit is, say- is saying, and that pundit is saying, and just pay yourself more in in, in accumulating retirement assets now, because taking a ex- accepting a lower salary for in exchange for a guaranteed income in retirement. That's baloney. The, the what it's it's just never that this guaranteed income and retirement is not going to be enough to fund a, comf- a comfortable retirement for for most people. It's just not. So so. Pay yourself first now with your increased salary by contributing more to your 401Ks and have some money in stocks and have some money in bonds and have some money in cash, but don't have it all in bonds and cash because you're never going to beat monetary inflation over the long term if you're not willing to take a little bit of risk
1: now. And and if any of our listeners would like to have a deeper powwow concerning their particular financial situation, you can reach us in our office on Monday at 906 zero zero seven zero or toll free at one 2162 And with that from my father John and my brother Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend into your financial health. We will talk to you next week.